0: Welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. It's your host, Sean. We are bellying up to the bar. We're talking about one of my favorite subjects today. I love sci-fi. We have brought in, you, you know, you got to do it. You got to do it right. You got to get a historian, someone who knows the gig, someone knows about it. Not just, you know, the movies or the comic books, but a true historian. So we've taken that opportunity today. We brought somebody to the up to the bar he's going to introduce himself real quick we've got an, and so i can put it out there now you need to go right now you got to go check out sci-fi history.net go check it out we've brought to the bar mr ed zimmerman all right that's done ed. <laughs> that's that, that's all that's all you get welcome to the bar brother uh, i'm thrilled to be here thanks for having me that was and, a great intro and folks This is Ed's first live podcast. The first one he said, thousands upon thousands of a couple of people have asked him to come on, but he decided that this would be the place where he would make his day podcast debut, bellying up to the bar with us. Look at that. I mean, the tears, they're everywhere. They're streaming down, you know, so, so we thank you for this opportunity for you to come on with us and for us to be your first one, brother. Thanks for having me. So, as always, we got to we got to go ahead and take care of a little bit of housekeeping before we get into talking. And uh, for those of you, I'm going to put it out there right now. I'm spoiling Dune only because <laughs> the book's only been around since like 72 or something like that. Uh, it's 70 something uh, or maybe 76. I have to look it up.
1: Yeah, we'd have to look that up.
0: So, but so if you ain't figured it out by then, I can't help you. I really can't. the The first movie, well, the, really the third movie, has been around since '84. So figure it out, folks. But I don't know. You, did you like all your pictures you saw that I that were up there this uh, week, there, Ed? Yeah, the, yeah, everything the, was good. So everything you, was very good. So that's all being done by Dibs. That's a uh, media by Dibs. Uh, He's a good friend of mine, another Marine, but he sponsors us in Media by Dibs, your connection for all things media from logos to marketing campaigns to flyers and more making your ideas a reality. Mention the phrase belly up to the bar for 10% off your first order and for free consultations. And they are a veteran owned and operated business also.
1: That's awesome.
0: So er, there you go. There you go, Ed. So you, you can go find Dibs. Look, he's already on. Talking about Let's Go. So you can go find dibs. Uh, maybe you know he can get you. He did all. So he does all that on his own. It's it's pretty impressive the stuff he does for me. I have no savvy at all with those things, uh-huh. but he does it. Uh, also, another thing we do. You got stickers for uh sci-fi history yet there, uh Ed? I don't have any merchandise
1: yet. I've had um, I I quoted some things around to a couple of different places, um, but. My my readership continues to grow, so I keep getting requests for things. Uh, the biggest requests tend to be, yeah, either computer stickers or uh, or T-shirts. So, so I haven't. Uh, I've kind of said maybe next year I'll do it because I'm looking at um, some other things I need to do later this year in preparation for some site changes next year.
0: Nice. Well. What we do, once you got a sticker, we do what's called Sticker and a Cause. That's this board behind me. Uh And what what that is, is if you have sci-fi history.net, you have anything going on, somebody can send me this sticker, send me uh, a little write-up on it, send me a message. I'll go ahead and I'll I'll read it live on the air and I put their sticker up there. But this week we got a a little special treat. So we're going to be at, if you happen to find your way on... The right coast and off the left coast, uh, come out to Albany Comic Con on November 14th. We're going to mm-hmm. be broadcasting live and we got new stickers. Got new stickers up, folks. Whoa, look at there. And for all the times that we've had the drag queens on, my daughter made a sticker of me <laughs> inside of a martini glass in drag. I don't dress in drag, but I thought it was funny enough that it needed its own sticker.
1: Well, and, uh, it's things you have to do for your art, right? It's that's not it. like it's anything other than that. That's
0: uh, sweet. And then, and these are, you know, I will tell you, talk to Dibs. He can help make your, make your stuff for you. But I, if you're looking for stickers, I'll plug them because they were great. Sticker Mule. Sticker cool. Mule is so cheap. Like I got all these done in a week and um, they actually have people that can help you. But we also have bar coasters made. Oh, can't be a, a to call cool. the bar podcast if you ain't got bar coasters. And yes, Dibs, I will I will make sure that I get a good address and get those sent out to you. Yeah, huh. you know, yeah, sticker mule is amazing. So there's a little bit of our housekeeping, folks. Uh, like I said, we, we've got some things coming up here November 14th. All that being said, all that being done, we got to get into talking sci-fi. So your site again, check out Ed's site sci fi history.net um going on to the site let's start with that for a second ed mm-hmm. what all can they get out of your site um
1: wow that's a big big question to answer that the if you go to sci fi history.net the main what i call the main page you're going to see um a a traditional blog setup and uh what i do is i'll uh, i'll do movie reviews i'll do uh, occasionally i'll do book reviews I'll do television show reviews or I'll do news blurbs. Sometimes I do shout outs, uh, what I call sci-fi shout outs to other websites or other products. Or if I stumble on something on the web that I think science fiction and fantasy fans would like to see. Yeah, there's you've got it up. My review from just earlier today. Um, I'll I'll kind of do what I call uh, on the main page. I call them public service announcements um, or or reviews. And usually, what happens, um, I'll get, um, like anybody else who's uh, doing reviews on the web, I'll have uh, production companies and uh, distribution outlets contact me. They'll want to send me their DVDs to review, they'll want to send me uh, occasionally books. I've, I've shied away because there are so many outlets right now for books uh, and book reviews. I've shied away from doing uh, many of those. Instead, what I'll do is I'll encourage readers who contact me or uh, swap me messages through Twitter. I'll encourage them to say, hey, submit a review because I'm more than happy to kind of serve in that editorial role and right. publish it on my site. If you also publish it on your own site. I'll do promotion for you's, you know, similar to what you do when you're having someone on. Um, and so notices via uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter just to promote my, my, my thing on that made on that main page is just to promote anything related to science fiction, fantasy, and occasionally horror. Now within the website, every day of the year has its own page and um if you go to you know as an example on january 1st pull up january 1st you will see any birthdays first any birthdays uh, of people or persons associated to science fiction fantasy and or horror Uh, you'll find just a little citation about them you'll find some graphics i've put together about them Um, after the birthdays i do movie announcements and the movie announcements are uh, films or video releases that have come out on that day anywhere around the world. Uh, so uh, for example, if um, uh, a good example for television is uh doctor who on um, December 25th, you know, for a number of years there in a row, Christmas they would special. do that holiday that Christmas special, right? Um, it may play, it'll play typically worldwide on, on December 25th. But sometimes they'll do a um, a small repeat with uh, a, a country in Europe. They'll do that on you know, maybe January 3rd. Uh, when you go beyond uh, movies, and you'll, the next section is television, and that's where I'll list TV shows that have played um, the dates, uh, f- you know, for January 1st on on January 1st uh, anywhere in the world that I've been able to locate the uh, broadcast information. Now. Um, you know, and-
0: Hear a lot of What's that? how about fantasy
1: yeah like, yeah so science fiction fantasy and horror any yeah. any typically any of those now every now and then you know i get somebody who will send me an email saying well why do you do horror films what and and i typically i explain it as i don't do uh traditional horror films that would fall into like slasher categories i'll do stuff that uh, that uh, toys well, with the idea that there are different uh, uh, different levels of reality there are different levels of experience, and that would involve ghosts, that would involve demons, so on and so forth. You know, so uh, so I'll put those in because again, that dividing line between science fiction, fantasy, and crossing over into horror does get very blurry. Yeah, so for that really. reason, I'll, I'll I'll include a lot of those releases and a lot of those stars and a lot of those writers uh, in, in those spaces. Um, I'll, again, after that, I, when I can find the information, I'll, uh, celebrate, uh, related sci-fi, fantasy, and or horror video games. I'll, I'll, los- uh, I'll, lodge them as well, so that that way I'm kind of acknowledging their existence in the, in the chronology of things. Um, but it's a, it's, uh, it's, honestly an exhaustive website it's 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 tons and tons of data that uh that someone can uh invest time in to uh, really bone up on their uh sci-fi fantasy and horror trivia
0: um i don't have any headset available here yeah, i'm just getting a little <laughs> bit of, a little bit of feedback on the side there so I was just trying to see if you had any any mm-hmm. headphones there. Just didn't want to interrupt what you were saying. I just figured sure, sorry th- about that. Th- I figured I'd throw it up in the corner. Just a little bit of feedback. So I mean, really, it sounds like anything somebody wants to get into, uh, it's in there. Now, is it do you have a favorite medium for sci-fi? Like growing up as a kid, you know, you have the history of the, the Ten Cent war I've talked about on on here, which is the comic book side where mm-hmm. comic books were demonized. For, you know, you couldn't... That's why, like, the character Mobius that's getting ready to be in the movies is the living... Mobius the living vampire. Because at that time, you couldn't have undead people the same way. So they made Mobius into a vampire that wasn't dead. Okay. So you have stuff like that. So is there any particular medium where you're like, I really prefer... Or I mean, or do you even go back to the old school um, radio broadcast, you know, like the like the uh, War of the Worlds and, and, you know, and and past there? Is there a particular genre or uh, medium I should? Well, like I said, medium of sci-fi that that's that's your wheelhouse. This is what you really dig. Um, I'm open
1: to any and all. You will see on my site, if you look at those individual day pages, you'll see where I've cited um, comic books that have been released. Um, you'll see where I've cited trivia as to, let's say, DC Comics. If you uh, kind of peruse the web, you'll see that there are dates that uh, DC Comics says, oh, Diana Prince of Themiscaria was technically born on this day. In our continuity, let's say that's August first, just for sake of arbitrary. Sure. I'll put on August first that this is her universally acknowledged birthday. So I'll cover comics to a certain degree. I do cover radio programming, uh, the old-time radio shows, when I can find their uh, their broadcast information. They're a little tougher, especially with uh, my personal favorite, the Shadow. <laughs>
0: classic um, now,
1: now, would you call the shadow sci-fi it's fantasy okay yeah it's definitely a fantasy because he's using a science um what i would call a science in uh manipulating the minds of people around him so that he can uh fight crime or you know take a stand against evil so on and so forth so it definitely falls into that kind of niche area where, as I said, sci-fi and fantasy and/or horror will overlap. It's just uh, it's natural that uh, that because of that overlap, I mention it somehow. Uh, it's it's what fans expect, and it's what I try to promote. As I as as I was uh, as I say, I try to consider myself the hardest working man in sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, which means I've got to go that extra mile. From. I've got to try and push a little bit more. Doesn't mean I like it all, because there are certainly some properties. Uh, quite frankly, I can't stand,
0: but, but I still oh, list them. But you are you willing to say which one it is?
1: Um, you know, I I, I will say I've never been very fond of the Stargate property. You know, really, the, the three different series of the three, um, I like. The last one, Stargate Universe, more because it seemed more relatable to me. Uh, The original Stargate and Stargate Atlantis, what I've seen of them. um, I'm actually through season two of Stargate. Um, I'm watching it now on streaming. On the weekends, I'll watch a few episodes here and there just to kind of familiarize myself with it and to be able to talk about it. Um, My problem with it is largely the writing was what I call saccharine, it was just a little too sweet and cutesy. And I think because so uh, so many storylines obviously were independent uh, from their, detached from their ongoing mythology. Yeah, were one shot. The, the, uh, yeah, exactly. The X-Files, I think, is the only show in the history of sci-fi and fantasy that's kind of successfully navigated that, short-form and long-form storytelling. Star Trek. Um, uh, well, yeah, Star, Star Trek, but Star Trek um, doesn't, they don't have a lot of long-form stories, In in at least not in the uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, uh, Voyager, and Enterprise. Now, the current iterations, uh, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, um, I just, quite frankly, I think they're, awful writing uh, awful,
0: <laughs> awful, awful <laughs> wicked, a lot of people terrible. love Picard. what's that picard's very popular
1: picard is very popular but he's it's one of those things where if you grow up knowing a character mm-hmm. and then they decide we want to do something completely radically different with the character i find that exceedingly difficult to get into um, See, because it's it's a it's too significant a change. That doesn't mean I, I I don't embrace the fact that the character gets older and maybe takes on a little different baggage as he gets older. Um, there are just so many things about Star Trek Picard that seems antithetical to the world of Star Trek as a whole. Um, I just see it as a, a completely different universe of storytelling. It's almost like um, I originally said... When I was talking with people about Star Trek Discovery, was that it's a show that's so different from Star Trek? Why didn't they just create something all their own and tell this story? Well, it was because Not all. Of Star Trek. exactly that there's a commercial appeal associated to the brand Star Trek that they wanted to be able to um, start out with and bring in viewers. There's nothing wrong with that, and uh, it's kind of like the new. Star Wars movies, the J.J. The Abrams and the Rain Johnson and whatnot, that are just bad. I'll say bad. Incoherent is the word that I tend to use. Uh, I don't I don't dislike them. I think the second one was a great carnival ride. It just wasn't a film. Um, and the third one was so butchered by coherent moments by coherent character moments except for um uh who was the baddie uh in in them i, I can't even, ren kylo ren kylo he was ren. the only one who had consistent character moments from the first film to the last so you kind of go okay so why didn't why, why did we focus on the good guys why, why didn't we make a completely dark version of, of the star wars universe and just focus right. on Kylo Ren. Uh It was clear, as JJ has recently acknowledged, that, yeah, we really had no game plan. Huh. Yeah, it showed. Oh, it's um, terrible. They're um, horrible. And, and I think it ended up hurting the brand more than Disney would ever acknowledge. But you
0: well, know. With Disney's involvement in any look, the, the rat gets what he wants. There's no doubt about it. And Disney's hands in any of those properties has always been issues to me. I'm a comic book guy. I love my comic books. And that's when you were saying like knowing a character and then seeing somebody mess with it. I, I've had this conversation a hundred times with people about comic book characters that I'm like, they wouldn't do that. That's not that character. That's nothing about that character. That's not even close to what that character would be involved in. And people will say to me, well, you know, we talked about the pod father earlier, him and I've had this conversation a hundred times. He's like, well, the movies aren't made for us they're made for other people for, for the general audience. And I'm like, I'm sorry, the general audience doesn't get to see this movie unless I love it. And I tell them how great it is. They don't have any interest. Those characters are my characters that they're coming to see. It's like, I, I, I equate that with uh the, the new thing in Hollywood is the ultra attractive over the top, beautiful woman, or, the guy who's, you know, got muscles on top of his muscles, like the old Popeye cartoons, who likes to tell everyone, well, I was a geek in school. I was just a geek. Uh, no, nobody liked me. Shut up. Shut up. Everything you're saying is a lie. The only one of those guys that it is true is um, what's his name that played Superman um, most recently? Um, oh, uh, Henry, Cav- Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. And the only reason that it's true about Henry Cavill that he's a big gamer is he actually almost missed the audition for Superman for that role because he was in the middle of playing a video game. And he was like at some point where he was like like crushing it and almost missed his audition completely. And he did the audition. And I think even the callback, he was like – didn't answer the phone for the callback because he was playing a video game, so I'll give you that one. But uh, the rest of them, when it's like, uh, what the heck is her name? Uh, not Theron, but one of those like beautiful women. Like, I was a geek in high school. I was. And stop. Yeah. Stop.
1: Yeah, I find that increasingly hard to believe. There are others though, uh, like Zachary Levi, um, is clearly a comic book aficionado. Um, ben Affleck is clearly a comic book aficionado um but he wasn't Bway Johnson for all of his claiming he's a comic book aficionado i don't think he is i think he had comic books that he followed right so and those kinds of things that's where you go i agree with you hey i would rather have somebody who's at least familiar with the material because they can do some justice to what the character originally stood for maybe what the character stands for today and perhaps then what the studio wants to turn it into. It's that age-old story that Nicolas Cage told when uh, he wanted to do the Superman Returns movie, and you know they, they were doing shoots and whatnot just to kind of test the ideas of what they were doing. And the Warner Brother executive, um, I, I think as he relates the story, came on the set and said, well, do we have to have Superman wearing a cape? He looks much better without the cape, and you kind of go, "Dude, do you even know right. this character?" If that's your input as an executive, I mean, I get you don't you know you don't have to be overly familiar with any individual superhero, but to come onto a Superman set right. and suggest, mm-hmm. "Oh, the character would be much better on the screen without a cape," um, n- no, you don't. You don't know. The character, leave the character to the people who are trying to develop an idea that's associated to the character. Don't try and come in and say, oh, yeah. Oh, and by the way, could we make him a woman? Um, (laughs) You know, I I, I don't have any problem with Warner Brothers and J.J. Abrams now saying, hey, we want to do an iteration of Superman where he's black. No problem with that whatsoever, because in the comics, that's in there. There, there are, real. Right, exactly. There, there is a reason that could be done and explored on the silver screen. No problem with it whatsoever. No. But all of a sudden saying, oh, yeah, yeah, the su- Superman shouldn't be wearing a cape. Okay, no, there, there's a the disassociation it. there. You're no longer talking about Superman. You're talking about a completely different character.
0: A- he absolutely. is the cape. He 100%. is the cape.
1: <laughs> he's a, he's a cape. He's in tights. Yeah, I'm sorry. I like the underwear on the outside. I know we don't get it anymore, but right. I like it has the a history. Underwear on the outside.
0: it has history. a history. history. It, it goes exactly. back to the old uh carnival weightlifter guys. Yeah. And but that kind of goes into what I wanted to talk to you about because there is one property I have owned in DVD, VHS, uh digital download. And every time I if I'm ever just sitting around and want to watch something, I will turn on David Lynch Dune 1984. Okay. Uh, the long versions almost three hours long. Um, uh, phenomenal movie. But I almost feel like it, and it kind of gets into like, do you know the property? Do you know what this is about? Is a great part of this because that's a great example of a story where um, David Lynch took liberties with things in the original 1984 version that were not in the book. Like for the spoilers was came out in 1984, folks. I cannot help you if you do not know what anything about this. I will tell you to go watch it. But like the weirding modules is not in Hebert's book, it's not part of the book. The weirding way is a martial art, and they only make reference to it. In the movie, one time, and that's when um, Jessica is captured by guard in the cave with uh, Paul. This tell you how much I, I know this movie, Ed. Uh, with Paul, and uh, she t- tells him, "You can get rid of the girl; we'll keep the boy." And when he goes to do something, she flips Stillguard around and puts a blade at his neck. And he goes, "If you can do this to the strongest of us, you're worth your weight in uh, ten men's water. Uh, we'll keep her." So, you know, there, but that was the only time you hear about the weirding way as a, as a martial art. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever look, and I will tell anyone, have you ever Ed, tried to read the original Dune book by Hebert? Oh, have I? Yes. I've tried twice. And I've,
1: anytime <laughs> it comes up, I explain this to people. I've That's got a rule try <laughs> as, there you go, as, as a reader. I have a rule that says, if I can, uh, if I can get over 100 pages, then I continue and I finish the book. I've never been able to get past that 100 page mark with (laughs) Dune twice. And it's because there's obviously there's such a a present download of information that takes place in those pages. I've read some science journals um, and science books that don't even have as much information oh. in a hundred pages as, as I felt was being necessary for me to understand Dune. The, the my two cents on, on, on the greater universe of Dune, because, you know, as I said, I've only, I've only tried to read the first one. I've thumbed through some stuff that people have passed along to me, but I've never you know invested any serious time in it is that um, Dune is best is a franchise best talked about by people who know it. Yes. yes No dune you can wax on for hours oh, about incredible. the the property the, the universe the worlds the families the characters you can go on and because i've listened to people do this i've got a few friends who are heavy doing aficionados and i've listened to them i sit on the outside of it going Okay, can you explain to me then this of the movie? Can you explain to me that? Can you explain to me this relationship? Because, you know, I'm I'm detached from it. I don't I don't
0: get it. Oh, it's wild. Um, well, Frank Hebert, if For those of you that are aren't, don't understand what Ed and I are talking about, Frank Hebert's book Dune. In the first, pretty much almost physically half of the book, he fleshes out an entire political system, planets. Leadership, who they are, where they're from, why they're in the positions they're in, how they got there. He fleshes everything out. What they ate for breakfast. Oh, it's it's all there. (laughs) Um, And then you get into this other side of it, of the battles and the war. Uh, And for those of you that are watching, haven't watched the new Dune, which is phenomenal visually, probably the single most beautiful movie I have ever seen the colors, the action, um amazing, but you should go read and if you're a reader, reader Ed, I'll tell you get the comic book version because it's easier to read uh, and get okay. uh the comic book version of House Atreides.
1: I yeah, I saw that there was there was is yeah.
0: that a is that a prequel? It is actually about um Duke Leto as a boy and you remember when oh. you kept seeing the bullhead, the bullhead, and the bullfighter? Uh-huh. uh-huh. That references his father. And okay. I'm not, that's one I won't spoil. Okay. I tell people, as you're if you watch, I promise you, if you go read um House of Trades, the comic book series, and and as you're reading it, you're just you're just gonna go, son of a bitch. Son of a uh-huh. that's what that meant. Because they actually, I was so surprised, they put a ton of information in that movie that relates to House of Trade's that you wouldn't know if you didn't read it. Like it's okay. because it also in House of Trades, you find out the real history of where uh Duncan Idaho comes from and okay. why Duncan hates the um and they call it they're not you noticed the Fremen? No, the hurricanes. They didn't call them harconans. Oh, you know the movie? They right. they called them the hurricanes, not the harconans.
1: Oh, I thought they called them the harconans.
0: Harconans is what they call them in David Lynch's movie. Okay. In this in the new movie, I don't even know who the director is, they called them the hurricanes.
1: And in Villeneuve, is it Villeneuve? Director of the new Yeah, Villeneuve, yeah.
0: They changed it, but I Folks, I promise you It is Stunningly beautiful movie Uh And done in such a way That And a good A person I I respect their geek knowledge Mitchell Hatlock posted He was like, oh it was so boring I needed more action, I liked the David Lynch David Lynch is great because he takes All parts of it and just Crams it into one movie and you get the whole thing Uh Do you know who did the best version though? but it was the worst visual the best storytelling of it uh
1: are you talking about the sci-fi version yes yeah yeah
0: i love the sci-fi version i love it um it's the I most have, accurate I,
1: I have very few qualms with it there were some parts at the end where i thought you know it felt rushed but uh that clearly they had committed to a certain length right so right. okay i get yeah, you've probably uh, pre-cut some of this stuff, and you realize, oh, you know, we're, this this has got to be what a six-hour event? I think it was.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a movie like made-for-TV movie event.
1: Yeah, so in that respect, you kind of go, okay, I get. You probably had to, tr- you know, trim some stuff down, and that might have meant that the ending was gonna feel a little rushed. Um, I know with uh, with Lynch's version, because I've read a I've read a ton about it. Um, I know that he didn't have say on the final cut, which is something he's regretted his his entire professional career. And you know who can blame the guy? Um, they hacked up. I I think his version was just over three hours. I know that I know that he produced a four four hours of film over just over four hours of film. His cut was somewhere a little over the 3 hour mark I, is what I've read. They cut it down to what is it now? 2 was 220. I think is what it ended up being. Right.
0: If you if, if you get and, the the one it's like 2 hours and change. But they there yeah. is the extended version is out there.
1: Yeah, the extended version he's he's very upset with. Oh really? Um yeah. But well, again, I'm going off of what I've read.
0: No, but please tell me.
1: He, he was upset with, because some of the scenes they put back, uh, if, I, if I understood this correctly, were not, uh, you know how a director will film something maybe three times, so that way he has three different takes that he can use. He disagreed with the choices that they made of, of the cuts that were uh, reinserted into the film. Hmm. So, um, you know, if you're if you're the director, if you're the one who's trying to cultivate a, a vision and do so honestly, And you realize, oh, okay, well, the way this particular scene plays out with, let's say, Paul and his mother, um, now that I see it in the grand, in the greater construction of things, I realize, hey, um, it would probably work better if I soften Paul's tone in this take and let mom be the dominant character. Um, If you've made that uh, creative decision as a storyteller. And then the studio, for all intents and purposes, decides, oh, I like it better with this other one, because that way we're pushing a faster pace. Um, As a storyteller, nothing will tick you off more than than, than somebody else saying, well, yeah, we disagree with your choices here. So, um, though. What's
0: what's that? The Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut. Justice League. Snyder Cut. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a a perfect example. You,
1: you look at the Josh Whedon butchery oh. and then you watch what Zack Snyder had intended that Warner Brothers said, uh-uh, not too long, we can't do this, despite the fact that they had originally told him to prepare two films, a part one and a part two, that they kind of pulled out on him last moment. Well, he clearly shot what could be two films there. So <laughs> it's not his fault that that now and again, with with the tragedy that happened in his in his life, that that took him away from working on on the uh, final cut. But uh look, you were the studio was perfectly happy in bringing Josh Whedon in and allowing him to reshoot stuff, and allegedly he reshot about seventy five percent of it. um And then again, if you're a purist and you go and you look at what Zach did, you go, "What? Why wouldn't you release this?" Zach's movies amazing. What, why wouldn't you give this a chance to soar the way the director intended? And Villeneuve is kind of the same way with his cut of Dune, because um, I've got problems with the Lynch one. And a lot of it relates to the way the story is told um, with the, the constant voiceovers. voiceovers See, I love also, that voiceover. Uh, it, it, it has a, a, the effect of, pulling me out of the action i really it it puts a hurdle in front of what's happening organically on the screen because i've now got to decide okay wait a minute what was the context of what he's telling me um why did he feel it necessary to tell me something that i can already see for myself on the screen um i'd rather see it than have it told to me so that that's where i struggle a little bit with the with the, the, <sighs> the lynch cut. um, Villanue, um his version I agree with you 100 percent in terms of the visuals uh, in terms of um, the way it was uh, the way everything was presented it's 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 as brilliant a film as quite possibly we'll see in our lifetime in composition you. You. I in composition. I've got problems with how he dissects some of the characters and, and, and some of the casting choices, but those are the things I think any of us might have with any film we see. Right. You know, um, uh, Oscar Isaacs, I just, I don't know, I, but my honest opinion after watching it was, he was way too young for, uh, for me to buy into him being, you know, one of these galactic rulers of, of, of this universe. I just, I didn't believe it. Um, the Timothy Sh- well, Man, I think is how it's pronounced. I mean, he was fine, but you know the real, uh, the real meat of of Paul's growth as a character, we didn't see any of that stuff. Hey, cats, daddy's on the internet.
0: Uh, <laughs> we'll get my cats; they can have a whole conversation yeah. again. <laughs> Your cat would be busy. I get nine. I have two.
1: Yeah, all my all mine are rescues that were strays and and. I've got one who just pretty much hangs up here on the couch and, and the others just, I
0: want want to go back to, to the Lynch for a second. So, and I actually missed the um, thought dialogue, the overlays in the movie. Mm -hmm. A Perfect example is the scene. And if you guys haven't seen this, I'll tell you. So the director of the, the new one, his name again is Villanue Villanue
1: v- Villanue, Villanue Villanue. I've Villanue,
0: heard it differently. Yeah. Villavie, like mm-hmm. I give him high five credit for taking from the David Lynch. Some scenes that are almost word for word. Mm-hmm. He has scenes like perfect example. And this is where I was thinking about when you were talking about the overlaying voice stuff. And I really want to dive into that for a second Mm-hmm. The scene where, um, not Dun- uh, yeah, Duncan Duncan comes in, which is played by uh, I always th- by Thanos by Goonies. Um, what the hell's his name? He played Thanos. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. I'm so horrible with oh, this. Oh, we're
1: talking about uh, Aquaman.
0: No, 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 that's um, or oh, you're talking the original. You're talking Jason Momoa. The, yeah, he, yeah, uh, he plays um, he played Thanos. God, I don't know why my brain isn't working. Oh, out. Jason Brolin. Thank you. Jason or uh, uh, James, J- James, James Brolin, Brolin. James Brolin. Yeah. Yes, folks. Two grown men trying to remember another man's name. We can't do this shit. We like this stuff. Uh, but James Brolin walks in and he plays Duncan and he looks at him and he goes, you know, it's time. Ta- it's time for training. He's like, and as soon as he starts talking, he's like, I'm not in the mood. That's directly from the movie. And then the the David Lynch and then they start fighting and he's like, I would have bled. I would at least gave you a good scar." He repeats that. It's almost word for word. Uh There's many scenes, but what was missing that I really wanted to see was when he walks in and, and Duncan goes, you had your back to the door, uh, a Harkonnen, uh, spy could have come in here and he says, I knew your steps as you were walking down the hall. And he goes, I, he goes, those could have been mimicked in the original. There's a voice overlay and it's actually, um, I can't think of his name. He's the, the military genius. And he makes the comment to him and he goes, "Um, he, you hear him over the overlay go, I think he would have. And those little thoughts like that, I was missing that. Hmm. I really was like, because I felt like it gave the characters a little more as they were all interacting with each other. You kind of had a feeling of what are they thinking when this person says that? So from seeing the original, I was waiting for their thoughts on when somebody made a comment. Okay. So that was. That's. So I, I find that interesting. Like you mm. took it as a distraction. I took it as more information. About what the character's history was. Or or mm. what they felt about. It, what was happening during a scene. Because if we read a book. In the book you'll have the dialogue. And then you'll have some section where it'll say. And Jones thought about this. And Smith thought about that. Right. We got those thoughts.
1: Right. Well. And that's. That's the fundamental difference between telling your story as a novel and telling your story visually. Visually, you've got a much broader uh, bag of tricks you can pull from. You've got technique, you've got screen techniques, you've got crossovers, you've got wipes, you've got split screens, you've got narration that you can add, you've got music, so on and so forth. When you're reading a novel, it's just, it's just you and, and, and the author. Uh, especially in the best books it's him it's him or her the author telling you directly the reader everything he wants he or she wants you to know about this particular scene that's a huge difference between the book and the film which is why i've always said films are inferior stories from the novels that doesn't mean they're bad that just means it's not it's not a personal experience it's it's, uh it's a completely different form of um, communication uh, interpersonally uh, a book is uh, is touching you it's, it's 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 connecting with you on so many levels a film it's a communal experience it's everybody in the room it's everybody in the theater it's not just you and so I those things that I may find distracting you find encouragement from them that's just you know that that's it's that's interesting. Why I, that's part of why I, I write reviews is that my whole point in in penning a review is to tell you what my experience with it was about. Back in college, let's throw in this perfect example. I wrote a paper on um, every film that. Has probably written dozens of papers on Citizen Kane, you know, mm-hmm. it's clearly it's not a science fiction film, there's nothing fantasy about it, but it's a film that speaks to people on incredibly different levels i wrote a paper saying you know what the film citizen kane the big trick for me is that citizen kane the film is it's not about kane it's about the people who knew him you you learn more about how they live their lives you learn more about what they take as positives and negatives from their individual lives than you ever do about kane kane if you look at all the individual pieces. Cain ends up being what I call a chimera. He's not one definable thing. He's many things. And because of that, I, you know, I postulated in my paper that Cain was never meant, the film was never meant to be about him. It was it was meant to be about the people that he knew. So, you know, at at the end of the conference, because I did it got selected and I had to go present it and so on and so forth. um, the complaint that was lodged by another young Paper presenter was that. Well, how do you know that's what Orson Welles wanted? Said with the film, and I said, well, "You missed my whole point. It isn't what he wanted me to take from it. It's what I took from it." Right. Th- this is my this is my opinion of what the film means. I I can't speak to what Orson Welles wanted with the film. And quite frankly, he's spoken so much about the film, um, some of it contrary to what he said before, that. I don't know much like Kane that I can learn anything from what he's said over the years. But I can tell you what the film means to me, and that's the whole point of my paper. That's so cool. you know that's, that's the difference between for me, film and, and a book. If you and I were to read the same book, we would more than likely come away with, I don't know, 60 to 80 percent of the same impressions we would come away with, oh, okay, this, here was the high point of the book. Here was the low point of the book. Here were the better characters. Here were the better moments. Um, oh, I liked how the, the, I liked these passages, how the author chose to tell the story this way. Um, whereas with film, gosh, you know, we, we might be lucky to have 20 to 30% in common uh, because our individual experiences are going to lead us to different conclusions about what the film really says and how it speaks to you Um, using all those techniques, using all those tools. um, You know, yeah, we, we still might say, Hey, it was a kick-ass experience much like I'd agree that uh, this version of Dune is visually, as I said, you're going to be hard pressed to come up with another Epic like that in our lifetime. Um, The closest, you know, that, that I could, come to in the immediate future would be dennis villeneuve's other blade runner 2049.
0: that was another uh, beautiful you
1: know movie. it's that another movie. film I mean. that it's it's all about the visuals um and what do you take from the visuals the story is fairly paper thin but then again so was the original blade runners um it didn't have the kind of depth that um that maybe lynch's version of dune had right there were several different layers at play there but again My issues with the current version of Dune just relate to the fact that, you know, there's really no villain, not like what you needed to start the universe out on the right foot. The villain appears in the background. It's much like, um, you know, George Lucas was asked, well, hey, why did you start telling the Star Wars films with A New Hope? And his answer was, because most of what happens in the first trilogy is political shenanigans. You know, it's uh, the diabolical plotting of putting these pieces in place for the next trilogy. So you go, oh, okay, who wants to sit down for three hours with Dune, with a cerebral story, where you really don't get to know the villain. Um,
0: That's tough. I guess you're right. Yeah, you really don't know.
1: Every good story. Protagonist, antagonist. How do they come together? That's when Dune sails. That last 45 minutes of the film oh, is it's, epic. it's epic but then you've got this ha- this ha- uh, this added on moment where the film kind of ends just when paul's <laughs> life's getting interesting. well that um, was the,
0: the sequels that should have been made but sci-fi channel made the sequels based on the book and so you get children of dune and all the rest of the books
1: right oh yeah but i'm talking about the current i'm the current oh yeah no that even, did, even though doing is advertised as part one it's the same thing oh. you and I both know the good stuff is gonna happen now right well the real well, good stuff what what draws people into liking a character or hating a yes. character yes is what Paul's story is from here on yes it's not the setup no it's 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 not this film it's not the first two hours the the first two hours of this, this film are gonna be negligible compared to what happens in his life Yes. After this. This is the good stuff. But that that's why, yeah. you know, you gotta you have to go, well, uh, whose idea was it to uh structure the film this way to um to only give you two films? Clearly this is potentially a three film property. Yes. Should it yes. should mirror what they did with the original Lord of the Rings with Peter Jackson. Thank you. But you know, unfortunately, um I guess Warner Brothers just didn't didn't think that was the way to go.
0: I said that so many times after I watched this and then I found out that it was, it was going to be other parts. I was like, did you not take a book page out of Peter Jackson's book and go, if we're going to do this, we film the whole thing. Every movie, they all have a stopping point and we put them in the can and we release them later. Nobody's age. Nobody quits. Nobody dies, nobody changed lives, nobody turns around and says, well, I don't want to be in the movie anymore, so I've got to change actors, which really won't work because you've got somebody else. Peter Jackson was a genius at that. Everybody thought he was a madman. How can you do this? But it shows that it was the right move to make. And if you're going to make an epic trilogy of a long-form story like this, you have to do it this way. You have no other choice. This is the only right. way to do it. And they just re- released what was it? yesterday, they've greenlit the second movie. Yeah. but yeah, again, so you, you greenlit the second movie. Why not just if you're gonna do three parts, I don't know, Ed, maybe you you do you're well more informed than I do, I am. Why not just do them all and get it done? That
1: would have been the smart thing. Uh, the odds are
0: my, the only explanation
1: I could even offer. it's it's entirely speculative but it's that uh, Warner Brothers doesn't exactly have a great track record at the box office in the last, gosh, five to ten years. The they've been years. struggling as a studio. And um, I think some of the the decisions they've made on films that they thought were going to be big uh, were not anywhere remotely um, producing the box office they had anticipated. And so they might have been a little gun shy when they said, hey, here's this. Here's this, let's face it, here's this hard sci-fi property that um, doesn't exactly have a great track record at being adapted for mass consumption. And, um, hey, we've got this great director. He's got a a pretty solid cast he wants to bring in. It's going to be expensive. I think they were gun-shy and said, okay, let's do one and see how it does. Now... On a property like dune you can't go halfway that's why i said i'm gonna read 100 pages of a book if i can't get into it in 100 pages i realize this book probably doesn't speak to me on a level that i want to continue with it right it's we're human we're, that's just how we are um a property like dune if you're gonna go half ass and hope, <laughs> hope that the returns on the first one warrant green lighting the second one All I can say is thank goodness it did because now the story can get really good. The only problem I have with anything the director has said about part two is he's, he's on record in an interview as saying it's going to be Zendaya that the actress who, who plays uh, the love interest. Right. Yeah. It's going to be her film. The second one. Yeah. And you kind of go, okay, she was hold, never that important. Yeah, hold the phone. She's she's essentially a love interest. She's a catalyst for Paul to kind of make a change in his life. But to say that part 2 is going to be all about her, okay, so then there's going to be three. How many parts are they going to are you going to film if you're going to give her what essentially could end up be a, a whole film hers? And why you're going to have to make up all kinds of content. Yeah, to
0: now justify... is Hebert's son involved? Is Hebert's son involved? Do you know? uh I uh, that I don't know. Because I, I he wrote, be he's talk about a genius. He took Dad's stories and he's been writing. There's a lot more than the original three books. His son oh, has, yeah. has written books about the story. That's where House of Trades comes from. His son wrote House of Trades and gives you that backstory. Um. All we can say, and I, I think if you haven't figured it out, Ed and I both give this a, you need to go watch it, go enjoy this. It is the ending. I will tell you, it's a very, like they, it's a ending where you go, son of a bitch. I needed more. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's it's a weird break. Right. It, does, uh, it doesn't fit. Again,
1: when, when, when you look at, um, take any, take any film that's more than one part or any saga, whether it be Star Wars lord of the rings take even back to the future um you know because that was that was three films granted it wasn't planned out that way it was planned as one and then two and three but the point is when you when you experience those films individually you go oh okay that's this is a natural stopping point right because Mm -hmm. what happens next is going to propel that film and these characters into that unique and new set of circumstances this one ends and you're like, okay, is there, is there going to be an after-the-credits scene? Uh, right. Is there going to be something that kind of gives me a hint of where are they are going with this? Because, you know, I don't, that, that's why I won't, I won't spoil that for anybody who hasn't seen it. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's the kind of film that even if you figure it was uh, – even if you reached the decision, it was a failure. I, you and I were two different people. We could like the same films. We could like different films. Even if you think this film is a failure, you can't tell me it wasn't worth watching. Absolutely. Because the visuals are amazing. Yeah, I understand. You might have had some problems with some characters, and you might have said, "Hey, couldn't couldn't the Aquaman guy been in here longer?" Yeah, it would have <laughs> been. It would it would have been great. But you know what? That's not the story. The story is this.
0: I love if, that you call again, Jason Momoa the Aquaman guy. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Can't the Aquaman <laughs> hang around? Can he take Did a shot off Aquaman the, on the desert? Oh, I didn't realize that.
0: We had Aquaman on a desert planet.
1: Yeah. That was the I first thing I thought that. was, holy crud. He's going from the oceans and you can't get any drier than than." Doom. His
0: beard, his beard was shaved.
1: Yeah. He had three different facial hairs. He had yeah, the he, long one. Mm-hmm. Then he had this kind of groomed one and then he had none.
0: Yeah, that was like all part of it. That was actually a big thing before the movie was uh, the fact that Jason Momoa shaved his facial hair for this because that's like kind of his signature thing. He's also in uh, and we could and I love talking to other people who love sci-fi like I do and we could break down sci-fi versus fantasy versus you know sci-fi horror like when you said you did horror. Anyone who doesn't understand like the movie Aliens is a sci-fi horror film. It is not just a sci-fi film. Right. Um yeah. I would love to get into Have you watched C yet on Apple TV? C-S-E-E. Oh, I no. Um oh. I will tell you right now. C I love dystopian futures. I love okay. dystopian movies. Uh I don't know if you're into that or not, but anything that that kind of gives you the dystopian future kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm very into C S E E on Apple TV. I promise you.
1: Is, is that
0: the one with Momoa? With Momoa. Okay. Is the most creative, most original, uh, visually and emotionally appealing that you will have probably seen in a minimum last 10 years, possibly 15, 20 of a nice. sci-fi nature. There. Like, I haven't felt sh- this strong about a show since. And I'm a Walking Dead fan. I still watch Walking Dead. I watch all the spinoffs of Walking Dead. Uh, I, I I can't wait for the actual movie that's going to come out. I love Robert Kirkman. I think he's a genius with his information. Um, I haven't felt this strong about a series, which is C, since watching Walking Dead when it came out. Hmm. Huh. It's, it's okay. that good. It's on Apple TV. Yeah. So we're going to get right. We got to put a bow on it though, Ed. We got to, right. we got to keep them wanting more because, because guys like you and I, because at my, I wanted to ask you, well, I'm going to ask it anyway. Well, will ask one more question. Cause I got to see what Ed's okay. answer is. Is All there right. anything from a reading standpoint or any anywhere, anything you've seen uh, that you Because see? I have so many things like, uh, I love the movie Nightbreed. If you've never seen that, that's a horror fantasy right there. Yeah. Mid eighties, uh, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Uh, Nightbreed. That's an example of one that like, didn't know it was a short story until I read the short story and it really needed sequels. Is there anything out there that you've read recently or seen recently that you say, Hey, this needs a movie or a TV series Or maybe even one that you say, hey, I know this is coming up. Like they say, Anne Rice, Vampire Chronicles. I keep seeing it popping up Uh that the Vampire Chronicles is getting a series, which I find very interesting because I've read many of the books about like the witcher, the witching uh, hour books and about the Talamasca and all that. Uh, Y'all didn't know I could read. I sound like an imbecile. (laughs) That's that mid-Atlantic accent of mine. (laughs) But I promise you, I know how to read. Is there anything out there that you would say, Hey, this needs, this needs a movie.
1: Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. And it's tough for a, for a personal reason. One of the things that I stress, even on my website when I'm contacted by people, because I I had a column up the other day because somebody seems like every, once every three months, I get a, an email request from somebody who reads, let's say the fairly regularly at the site and they'll say hey um, what are what are your top five things to see right now <clears throat> I always respond to them privately but this time because now that I've been doing this for about eight years um, I get I decided I'd, I'd pen a column so in the column I said I don't traditionally do that because, um, I'm the kind of viewer, I'm the kind of reader, I'm the kind of consumer that I rarely like something more than once. In other words, if I uh, like to hop on your point about The Walking Dead, first, first iteration, I think, is a pretty brilliant show 90% of the time. Second one, huge disappointments. Third one like a root canal um i have hope because they they've said that the next iteration is going to for tv is going to be tales of the walking dead and it's going to be some independent standalone storytelling all the episodes are supposed to be somewhat independent there might be some ongoing continuity um but otherwise they're going to do a lot of independent stuff see that kind of stuff intrigues me um you know so so i hesitate to recommend anything um, wholeheartedly. What I will say is that when it comes to writing, you could probably hire a team to look at everything that Bradbury has done, um, everything Philip K. Dick has done. Um, as, as good as Isaac Asimov is, a lot of it for me just doesn't translate well to a personal story. It's, it's, it's brilliant writing. Um, but it's just, for me, visually it doesn't work. I have the same problem with fantasy stuff too. I had a friend uh, who recommended me, oh my God, after the, you know, the, uh, the, uh, Lord of the Rings stuff was so huge. Oh, you got to read the Wheel of Time. And I said, That's okay, what, good. what, what, yeah, there's a TV show coming. What makes the Wheel of Time worth reading? Oh, this, that, and the other. And I said, okay, but we already had that. I've already seen those characters. Oh yeah, but there's this, that, and the other. So I, so I put aside my biases and I read it. And I said, you know, after reading it, I sat down and I said, yeah, no, it just wasn't for me. I've, I've seen all this elsewhere. And just because somebody takes it and puts it all together in one work doesn't make it um, worthwhile for me. Um, but I will say that, like I said, those those few authors I mentioned, almost anything I've read of theirs is great. The other thing that uh, that I'd love to see a movie of, I don't know how you do it, is uh, Alfred Bester's The Star is My Destination. It's just a great that one. What's that?
0: I said, I don't know that one. Yeah, The Star's
1: My Destination. Uh, in the 90s, somebody tried for a while to get it adapted for Schwarzenegger, and he'd probably be the right person for the role. It has a lot of feelings similar to uh, Total Recall, um, but it's entirely a different story. It's 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 about a, a guy who's essentially lost in space, He doesn't quite know why, and he spends the bulk of the novel trying to figure out the who's, the where's, the why's, and everything. Um, And it's the kind of novel that, uh, like like any good novel, once you know it, it's hard to talk about it without spoiling it for people who haven't read it. So that's why I'd say, you know, I'd I'd give that my recommendation. As for TV shows, have you seen uh, Dark on Netflix? Dark. Dark.
0: Is that it's the zombie, zombie
1: one? Is- nope. It's a it's a sweet... The uh, zombie one is Black Summer. Well, if you're thinking... Oh, if no, you're no, thinking no.
0: Uh, dark is... Is Dark the one... Now, you'll tell me if I'm right or wrong. Mm-hmm. The very first episode, the guy's driving into the town, and all of a sudden, there's like this weird situation. He blames it on a bee sting, and he's allergic to bees.
1: Mm.
0: No, no. No. I've never seen no. it. Nope. Fuck it, I lied.
1: Dark is... Um, to explain dark, it's uh it's a time travel story that has very little time travel in it. And that's because oh. the events take place in different time periods. Okay. People do travel to different time periods, um, through, let's say, a fault line in our universe that allows them to go just a speci- to specific thirty three years. This way. That's thirty three, that's or the that number. way. 33 and so it's some genius it's a it's three seasons long seasons one and two are about as brilliant sci-fi fantasy storytelling has ever been done season three and this is why this is where i i lose a lot of fans on my website and i go season three it was just garbage it was (laughs) they had the right idea they knew how they wanted it to end but it seemed like they came up with a let's call it a two-hour movie idea to end the series successfully and then spread it out for maybe eight or nine or ten episodes and you go yeah i dragged on just too long brilliant idea executed poorly gotcha for for two of the three seasons though i you won't find anything as compelling um and as interesting as as the ideas the way they roll them out there there are some and if you like dystopian dramas i love it you 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 want to watch it because that's essentially the whole point of season two is like i said they go 33 years into the future they find out things didn't quite go the way they planned and earth is in a crap hole um and it's just told from the point of view of this one town um somewhere as i said i think it, it might be norway instead of sweden but it's uh but it's brilliant, and and I think you I think you'd enjoy it.
0: See, that's right up my alley. So there's your recommendations, folks. I think I'm gonna have to go check out Dark. That sounds like it's right up my alley. I I just I've always loved dystopian movies. I think it started with uh, Dawn of the Dead. I loved Dawn of the mm. Dead. I loved Mad Max. Um, there were so many of them that I watched. Uh, Night of the Comet as a kid. Um, what's the other there was one that I can't remember there's like two weird ones one was they drove uh this desert vehicle across you know, they were going to somewhere and the vehicle had three sets of three set tires so they were set on a triangle that was the big thing oh, yeah. damnation alley there you go damnation alley, damnation it-
1: alley. yeah yeah George Papard, Michael Jan Vincent there you go that's a great that that's a yeah that that's little formulaic as dystopian things right. go, but that's a great example of how sci-fi was done in the mid, Absolutely. mid-70s. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was a great one. I remember the biggest scene also, and that was the cockroach scene in Las Vegas where the, they were like attacked by cockroaches because that was what survived. Um, yeah,
1: that and Scorpions. Yes. That the, and Scorpions,
0: yeah. <laughs> and uh. I mean, I remember, <laughs> like I grew up on the sci-fi dystopian future. It was the 80s the nuclear fallout was going to kill us all. Yeah. This is what we were going to be left with. This was going to be everything. Um, I'm trying to think of any other ones that were, were big influencers on me. There was just so many, the other one that was, you know, and I think Ed, you and I could probably talk for hours on this. Cause I love space pirates uh, or ice pirates, the movie ice pirates, which is, uh. a, which is one of those ones that, unless you have like a jail broke, uh, like Fire Stick, you can't find it anywhere. And I've sat back recently and watched it, and it was still just a great example of in the 80s and 90s, they were looking for anything sci-fi they can come up with, anything dystopian they could come up with. That was the world we were all going to end up in. So it was almost like a training video for all of us to watch these things. It was great. I loved it. As always, folks, though eventually we do have to pull the curtain on the bar we have to you know put the sign up all the stools got to get pushed in we all got to get ready to go i'm going to tell you go check out sci-fi history.net sci-fi history.net it's spelled exactly how it sounds sci-fi history.net it is a phenomenal read go get your geek on um i'm going to plug myself for a minute because that's what i do november 14th if you're in the capital region of uh, new york come to albany comic-con we're going to be at the gotta love this we're at the polish uh community center hopefully somebody has guamki or pierogi or something along those lines a little it's borscht, gonna be great <laughs> you know a little borscht for me um <laughs> that they can bring and bring to the table i think the, and the pod father will be with me so we're getting the entire earplug podcast network together uh Anything you got coming up? Any shows you're going to be doing? Any sci-fi shows you're going to? Anything at?
1: Nothing. I uh, I pretty much keep it to the web. Um, every now and then I get asked to do A, B, or oh, yeah, C. I usually don't. I usually stick uh, stick close to home and so on and so forth. Um, there's a There's a big comic con usually in Phoenix every year, and I got invited to go there as as press, but you know I just like I said I just don't. Uh, We could we could do a whole show on sci-fi fandom and what it's like to be part of this community. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of it's not so good, and so uh, that's why I just kind of stick to stick to myself Um, politically. You know, I tend to lean a little more to the right. A lot of people in this business lean a lot to the left. So you know, I don't I don't see eye 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 to eye on things. That's why it says in my Twitter feed. Um, you know, under my profile, don't expect me to agree. Um, that's usually where I get in uh, trouble with directors or actors and so on and so forth. I don't challenge them, especially when it's about right. their work. Their work is their work. But when it comes to they're telling me how I should live my life or how you should live your life or the kinds of questions you as an interviewer should ask and so on and so forth. No, that's. That's my job. I don't tell you how to act, so don't tell me how, you know, respectfully to interview. Um, that's, I love just, it. that's why I avoid them.
0: Brother, well, we appreciate you. Coming on here as your first official. I hope it worked out. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, we definitely, you're a man after my own heart. I love talking to people that really know their stuff. I love, I can geek out on stuff. There's like, there's a whole lot. <laughs> There's so much we could keep going But like I said We got to pull the curtain on the bar Nothing coming up for you But there is, like you said you're out in Phoenix As always And don't go disappearing on me when this is over I'm going to kick us back down to the green room We got a couple things to discuss You get the last word there Good sir And what is the last word as we're going out today
1: Last word is Science fiction and fantasy and horror Are timeless And if you are not a fan, you need to do a lot of serious introspection and find something to like in them.
0: All righty, folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been an Earplug Podcast presentation found on EarplugPodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.